It's always about people. Your tombstone, when you die, is not going to say world's best coach. It's going to say loving husband, devoted father. If it doesn't say that and it says world best coach, you missed out on life. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast with your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. You'll hear authentic, entertaining stories with tips, lessons, and wisdom from champions to inspire, motivate, and educate you. You'll get the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. What a great show we have for you today. We are going to be talking about winning authentically. And in my opinion, uh, Coach Braden Holloway, the NC State men's and women's swimming coach, does that so well. He wins authentically. And we're going to have an interview with him on the road trip, talking about some exciting stuff. So, Maria, welcome uh, here, co-hosting with me. How are your? What are your thoughts on today? Oh, I'm excited. I have listened to the Braden Holloway interview, and he is amazing. I'm excited to talk about it with you, Kelly. Yes. And for those of you that do not know Braden Holloway, we know we have listeners that are swimmers and listeners that are athletes and listeners that are none of those two things. So Braden is just he's just a champion who has achieved a lot as both an athlete and a coach. I'm going to profile his coaching accomplishments just recently. And then Maria is going to touch a little bit on what he did as an athlete. So Braden is coming off of the top performing team in the country that is a combined program. Uh, you know what? I'm going to correct that. It's the, I think the second highest team for coaching men and women top finishes his men finished fourth at NCAAs and his women finished seventh. So it's amazing. To, yeah. To put two teams in the top 10, when you have one coaching staff is really quite an accomplishment. But he's done that before. Um, he's only been the head coach at NC State for eight years. He's a very young coach. And in those short eight years, he has won the men's ACC Coach of the Year five times. I think he might have actually won it a sixth time this year. He's been the ACC Women's Coach of the Year in 2017. And he might have even won it this year because the women won ACCs. He's had multiple relay national championships, NCAA championships in the relays, and multiple NCAA individual champions. So what he's done in such a short time, um, as he will, you'll hear him in the interview say, the NC State program was in a little bit of a low place. And you'll hear <laughs> that I am an NC Stater. I'm going to just say it right up front. <laughs> I was so happy to be able to use my connection to having swum at NC State to being able to get an interview with Braden because a lot of people want to interview Braden. And for me to be able to go in there as an alum, I was just thrilled that I had that connection. So You pulled your alum strings. I, I, I pulled my alum strings, and, <laughs> and my apologies for getting overexcited about being a wolf packer, but we, we, went, <laughs> yeah, we went through some really dry spells, and uh, now we are back, and um, it's really great. So, Maria, let's hear a little bit about what Braden was as an athlete. He was an amazing swimmer, and he swam at NC State. He lettered with the Wolfpack from 1998 to 2001, winning back-to-back ACC titles in the 100 backstroke in 2000 and 2001. 
He collected all ACC honors all four years of his career and set an ACC record. A five-time All-American, he was ranked internationally in backstroke events and was an Olympic trials qualifier for the 2000 Sydney Olympics. He was named to the ACC 50th anniversary team in 2002 to be honored as one of the conference's top swimmers. So he knows what he's talking about. And that ties in perfectly to my first question for Braden, uh, which we're going to hear. And right now, we're going to get right to it. Uh, we're going to go to the road trip segment. And then Maria and I are going to come back, and we're going to break down uh, what we think the takeaways are. So stay tuned. And now it's time for the road trip segment. Welcome to Champions Mojo podcast. Uh, Braden. it's great to have you here, and we really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming and, and coming back to NC State. Yeah, great to be go back Wolfpack. in my go Wolfpack. <laughs> yeah, it's great to be here. So um, obviously, we've just introduced you, and and you are having such great success as a coach. And a lot of people may or may not know what great success you had as an athlete. So you were a champion athlete yourself before you are now a champion coach. And so what um, I'd love to hear from you, and I know our listeners have requested this, what techniques did you learn as a swimmer that you have carried into a successful coaching career? Good question. Um, Yes, a champion a while back, but now that I see how fast kids go these days, I feel really slow. <laughs> um, like, I'm recruiting kids that went what I went. You know, like, that's crazy. Um, no, I, I do think uh, – does that help with all – okay. I do think um, being a athlete does have its benefits in the coaching world because you, you, you kind of think back on – Obviously, the great points that you had as an athlete, but you also think back about the rough times that challenge you probably more than others, that, and maybe not in a good way, right? I mean, I think as I grew up as an athlete, I took away the pros and cons of of the coaches I had, and I, and I was lucky enough to have very different coaches. You know, my, my first coach was Sam Fries, and I was 12 years old, 10 years old, and it's some of the, the ways still stick with me today of of just not being willing not being afraid to think outside the box because you may hit a light bulb really quickly when you do that plus if you start thinking outside the box a lot with with athletes now i think they just more inclined to listen and want to explore what you're trying to get to because they think you're really going out out of your way you know it's just a, a, a instead of doing the normal um, you know, I had uh, a very scientific coach, uh, Scott Colby, who's with USA Swimming right now. Uh, I took the positives from him of, of, you know, the nuts and bolts of swimming, the X's and O's, and, and a more of a science-related approach to it, whether it would be heart rate or, or just the human psyche. Um, you know, and then obviously I had my, my college coach uh, was a motivator, you know, and, and he pushed my buttons sometimes too much. Um, but he found a way to get me uh, so motivated that I was willing to do anything. Who, um, who? It was Scott Hammond. Oh, Scott, yeah. Um, he, he and I still keep in touch. Um, and and the, my beginning year was tough. I remember one – I was I signed with three backstrokers, and NC State at the time was graduating the two of them. So it was us three coming in. However, the other two never made it. 
There was one that I had issues with high school. There was one that um, some with a family issue, and he never came. So all of a sudden, I'm the I'm the freshman here, and I was the only backstroker, and I was I was not good in season early. Um, and I remember we did this we did this set, and and it was long course, and I was more of an underwater guy, and I was just struggling. And he was like, "What do you think Lenny Kraselberg's doing right now?" And I just remember thinking, like, "Well, Lenny's." Lenny's six foot four, you know, two hundred pounds. I'm I'm one hundred forty three, barely five eleven, and I'm four or five years younger. Like I, he's probably going a lot faster than I am. Yeah, I get it. I, I, you know, and so I, I think every every coach that was an athlete takes some of the the harsh times that they had, and and they bank that information of, you know, nowadays student athletes I think are so more into the personal connection more than ever that I, I think it goes so much further. So I think the big thing that I take from my times was when I felt like I had a good connection with my coach. Um, and, and Scott and I obviously turned a corner and, and we ended up having a, a good relationship. And I swam fast. So obviously the faster I swim, the more I trusted him. And, it you know, pretty simple concept, right? And so I think here a lot of times, even when I started before I got here, I started in Division Three at a school called University of the South, where there is no mandatory practices. You you had to basically trick them into wanting to be there all the time, and so obviously you had to be creative to to get them there. So it, those experience kind of allowed me to focus on the connection, the connection with the student athletes. My the swimmers who have done the best for me in my career are the ones I'm closest with. But I don't force it on them. It, it has to be – they have to want it. They have to want to come in and want to build it with me. you know. And then, then you start talking about more things besides just swimming. And I think once that started, you build such a good bond, you build a level of trust to where I'm not sitting them down and talking about negative things because I trust them. And they're not sitting down questioning me on things that we're doing because they trust me. Um, and, and obviously, sometimes that's tested from the time to time. But I think that's probably the biggest thing I take from from being an athlete is is remembering when I felt like I was really had a good connection with my coach, I was willing to push more. That's a beautiful thing for listeners, whether they're swimmers or not, to trust the connections that they have. So um, one of the things about going into college coaching and you know I was a coach myself is it's such a hard job it's so hard and I, I I've heard how hard you work and your staff and so what would you say are the three hardest things about being a division one head coach and not of a single program but of a combined program which makes it even you know 60 kids not not just half of that so what what are the Three things that are the toughest, and then I'm going to ask you another question when you give me those three. <laughs> uh, uh, good question. Um, I guess since being here now eight years and, and being in the college coaching scene since 2003, um, obviously I still have a long way to go to, you know, compared to a lot of coaches that have been there or done that. But probably the first things that come to mind with, with that is the tough. Yeah, when you coach both teams – you got to cater to both teams and even though they're very different you're having to do you have, I almost feel like sometimes I'm having to be very different like just a different person 
when I'm communicating with each team because sometimes you may be in a situation where things are going really great for one team. And then, like last year, our women, we had just had fluke injuries, you know, a touch and the elbow pops out or, you know, a help like the flu went through our team. And whereas, like last year on the men's side, nothing happened. It was like just things just moved along. And so, you know, you're, you're having to manage so many different personalities, but they're all going through something different, whether it's at home or in the, with a professor or something like that. So I think the challenging thing with that is that it just doesn't stop. Like just when you think you get a break, you know, next thing you know, you have someone who has a herniated disc, right? And you're like, okay, okay, now we have to, we need, we got to massage this. We have to manage this. And, I, and the kids on the team, I think at the end of the day, they, they, they want to make, they always want to make sure and know that you're there for them. So you just can't ever you can't ever take a step back, and you don't want to. Like we had we had a couple of kids get in a car wreck the other day, and they were all in the car together, and it was right back when I got back from Easter. They were coming back from Easter, and so my phone call my phone rings, and next thing you know, I'm like I'm about to get in the car and head to Fayetteville because that's where they were. They were coming back from South Carolina, so you you just can't put your guard down. Are they okay? They're okay. okay. Yeah. So a few of them are still out. Um, <laughs> So they may, they may be out for a little bit, but no nothing drastic to the point where you know they're still in the hospital or anything. But it's scary to to think, obviously. But you that never goes away. You know, I'm even though I may get older and older and older, and and next thing you know, I'm fifty. I'm still coaching seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one year olds, and up to twenty three, of course. They're going to stay the same age, so I'm constantly going to be battling. You know, someone's grandmother dies, and it's their first grandparent. They they need someone to talk to. I, they, you can't ever let your guard down. Um, I would say nowadays, recruiting is challenging. You know, the number one thing in, in my life is my wife and my kids, and I'm not willing to ever change it for recruiting, for the sport, or whatever. And I'm not. And I feel like the the rules now they keep challenging that with us. They're challenging families, and you know I'm I'm against the new rules. I'm not happy about them because I know my time is is now going to be it's going to be worse. I would say the second thing that comes to mind is just the evolution of of recruiting. Um, even since being at NC State, it's it's changed dramatically, which was way different than when I was at different colleges, and and it's a constant grind. It's a constant. You can't ever stop doing it, but again, it's at what cost. I, I have a wife and I have four kids, and they're the number one things in my life. And I'm not willing to give, and I'm not willing to share that with recruiting or the sport. So I think it's it's a balance of trying to figure out where are my limits. And you know, I do re- recruit less now because my kids are 13, 11. Um, soon to be nine and four. I mean, we're talking about prime ages of, you know, extracurricular activities and and moments in their life where I need to be here to teach. I need to teach my sons how to be gentlemen. I need to teach my daughters, you know, you know the the dad stuff, you know. And, and so, and at the same time, my best friend is my wife, and I I don't want to lose a best friend. So, I think the recruiting is is very challenging. You know, at one point it was fun. I mean, before we had kids, I was at Division Three University of the South, and we had moved from Chicago before that. 
so my wife was had her big time job in downtown Chicago. They allowed her to work remote every other week. So I took this college job, um, you know, uh, down in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, beautiful place. Um, and when she was in Chicago working, we had to get a, a small apartment. I would recruit like crazy. Like, I, and I only did the men. It was women and men team, but I only recruited men. And the head coach, Max Obermiller, great man, recruited the women. So I just recruited like crazy the men. And when she would come back for the week, I wouldn't recruit at all. So it was actually a great system. And it, it worked, and we ended up signing a great class. And But, you know, obviously that after that I moved on. But, you know, I, I think it's hard for every college coach to find the balance because, you know, they're expected to win. They're expected to show results, especially when the expectations get high. I mean, expectations here are high. And so it gets to a point where at what cost are you willing to bend um, to save your family and marriage to where they don't ever feel like they're in a back seat, you know? Um, I would say um, third probably goes along with, with manage the, managing the expectations of a Division One program that has lofty goals in a athletic department that has lofty goals. You know, before I got here, NC State was, you know, kind of in a little bit of a low period um, as far as rankings or whatnot. And, and, and I think it's, it's the, the whole athletic department was, I mean, we were 89th in the Director's Cup. So, you know, that's, that's you take your sports and where are they ranked and then you add them together and there's a point system and, you know, Stanford was, is winning every year and NC State was 89th. So I think it got to a point where people were okay with being okay. Um, now the athletic department, last year we were 15th in the Director's Cup was our final standing. There is no okay with being okay. And so with that becomes more and becomes more and becomes more. So you, you, you feel the added pressure and, and things are just harder. Like I lost, you know, you lose staff members for good reasons, right? I mean, I, I've lost two um, coaches to head coaching jobs, and I, I lost one. You know, Mallory was with me for eight. The whole, she was the first person I hired, you know, and, and she's starting a family and started it and has two great kids. And so her calling was to be a mom, which I, I'm this, this is what you need to do. Um, so just having the challenges of, of that um, is probably the third thing that you just – it's constant. You know, again, it's just sometimes people think college. They only think the college season. You know, well, now all of a sudden, how are we going to get more people on the Olympic team? You know, how am I going to get my first female American on the Olympic team, which is a big goal for me? Um, you know, I have World University Games coming up. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to be gone for two weeks, right? So it's – I think it's those types of things that they all go hand in hand, basically. So you could probably just clump that into one big thing, <laughs> right? So that's what I would probably say. You know, now this year – NC State having finished fourth in the men and seventh in the women is just phenomenal. And I hear about the culture of NC State, this culture. And um, now I've heard that the two assistant coaches have taken that culture and they're spreading it to these other other schools. So could you talk about what you think that phenomenon is? I'm not giving away secrets. No, I don't want. I, I, as an now alum, my I coaching want, trees spread out too much. I can't. Yeah. I can't keep giving yeah, away secrets. I, I don't want. As an alum, no, I don't. I, want you to give I don't. I, I'll be honest. I, I. I think a lot of it is, it's due to my first year here. I think, when I was offered the job, um, 
the the state of NC State swimming and diving was in a tough spot, not just athletically, but even academically, graduation rates low. Um, we had behavioral issues. Um, and I'm just one of those guys that if you're going to be really good, you got to do it all right. I mean, you got to you got to be elite at all times. You can't just show up to practice and be elite. You can't go home and make poor decisions or ignore your diet, ignore your sleep, um, ignore your mind. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want someone okay with with getting second. You know, like okay, we may get second a bunch, but I I don't want to be okay with that. I don't ever want to be okay with with you know that kind of mindset. So I think when Debbie Yao, who just retired, her last day is Friday. Um, I'm very grateful for her giving me this opportunity and, and trusting me. And I went to her office and I said, look, I only recruited one person on this team, Miffy Henley, who I'm so close to to this day. Um, I didn't recruit anyone else. And I don't want to take 10 years to slowly change things around to get to get moving. I want to do it right now. And I want to do it my way, and I want to do it fast. Are you okay if I show up to conference championships with no one there, if no one wants to buy into what I'm doing? And she said, you have the green light. I was like, so if we're going to be last with zero people, it's going to be this year. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure she said, you get one year to do that, then you better get going. <laughs> um, but uh, I made some really drastic changes. The first thing was changing the behavior. You know, Like, okay, we got kids that want to go out and do some things on Wednesday night, then I'm just going to put practice at 4.30 Thursday morning. 4.30 in the morning. You're going to do that, then that's not very smart, right? And so I, I, I did drastic measures, and, and I, I needed to find the people that were ready for change and wanted change. And, you know, unfortunately, we had about 16. We had eight girls and eight guys that didn't make it past three weeks. Um, and then throughout the year, we, we trickled. And actually, for the men, we, we show up the conference with only 14 guys. You're allowed 18. I got 30 guys on the team now. We had 14 guys. But I had men that were ready. I had men that wanted it. They're tired of being mediocre. They wanted to win. They wanted to they wanted to have pride, right? And so and the women's team was no different. I mean, Miffy Miffy was a go-to for me. She was a captain. She knew me more than others. I, I right out of the gates on my first day on the job, I, I took her to Brugger's Bagels and I was like, this is what we're gonna do. And she's like, let's go. And I want to help you however I can. And so it was a quick turnaround, but it was a very drastic. And I mean, I tell now that I go back and I tell people about my years here, I hate the year one was so hard. I almost stopped coaching. I don't, I just, I was like, I can't, this is so difficult to, to put such high expectations on these kids. I have no idea about this, but I knew over time it would, it would slowly take, but it just did. It just happened really quick. Um, and there are certain individuals that our team gravitated to that embodied what I was looking for. Men's side, it was this guy named Jonathan Bofa. Um, he started to understand, like when I talked about, you can swim fast no matter what. I don't care if you're tired, didn't warm up, you know, you, 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 know, you don't have any eyes. I don't, you know, you can swim fast if you want to and believe you can. And, and he was the first one that really grasped that and he took off and then he just took a whole bunch of crew with him. And so um, the culture is started from there and it's evolved to just the concept of if you're going to be elite and you want to be elite it's got to be 24 hours 365 days a year um not saying you can't 
you know, enjoy different things in your life. But that, you know, that was how it started. And now it's turned into that's the way the team is. It used to be a coach-led team, and I used to lead it, and I used to set the goals. Now I don't. I, I'm kind of like the bystander that just kind of guides it, you know. And um, I'm kind of like the little train tracks that kids have, you know. They, they build train tracks, and next thing you know, the train track goes this way. I just kind of put the tracks down, and they the train is on them. Um, so that's kind of how it started, and now I, I'm confident with my team. Like I don't have to talk about – crazy things that I don't, you know, we trust each other. You know, I showed up at the house the other day and there were three girls on the team already at the house jumping on the trampoline with my kids. I didn't know where they were there, <laughs> you know, and their shoes are by the front door. Like, it, it, we've we've been able to create a sense of family and accountability for each other. Um, so I don't, I don't, there's, I don't think there's any secret, secret recipe. Now, I do think that we do certain things that, you know, like I know Gary and Todd have done them at at their schools, you know, like, I mean, I talk to them and I see them on social media and they're doing the same things that we did here that I think are really good. And I'll let the listeners, you know, not know that. <laughs> no. Um, but there are certain things that we do that I think are very beneficial. Like, but I think at the end of the day, the environment, the culture, at the end of the day, I need people here that can be themselves. And if they're being someone they're not, then it's not the right culture for them. And so obviously with that, you have to recruit the right people, the character that you want on this team. Um, and I think when you start putting all those puzzle pieces together, then you have a good environment for every day for people to have a chance to be really successful. People say that your coaching is magical. And I think that people are speculating about your authenticity of having landed the head job at your alma mater makes you more authentic what are your thoughts on that driving you even more because you swam here uh i think at the beginning it did i think you know i mean i almost didn't take the job because i was nervous about failing you know i was like i i I don't want to fail there like i i can go somewhere else and give it a run and if i fail it would obviously would annoy me, right? But it, it probably wouldn't annoy me to the point where if I failed here, it would have really hurt me. You know, it would have hurt my wife. I think. You know, I, I don't know. She's she's pretty tough. Who swam here too? She did. Yeah. She did. And and she told me she's like, if you don't take that job, then what? What? How are you challenging yourself? Like, why? What? Then what do you actually coach for? Right? I mean, why are we doing this? Are we just going to stay here at Virginia Tech and keep doing what you are doing? And I mean, this is a challenge. See what you got. So, you know, if you fail, you fail, right? I mean, you know, she said the program has got to get better. So, I mean, you know, there's a good chance you're going to get better, right? I mean, just let's go. And so I I think the big thing for me being here, I I know this school inside and out. I know our strengths. I know our weaknesses. Um, I think it, it allowed me because, you know, we don't have this Taj Mahal facility. It's it's the same one you swam yeah. in. It's just yeah. – it's but water's like, water. Water's water. Okay. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's like I'm not going to sell a recruit, for example, on the pool. I'm going to sell it on what you do in the pool and results come from in that. Or I'm going to talk about people. You know, I'm going to talk about if you know if facilities are everything, then we shouldn't be fourth every year or seventh. You know, we should we should be you know eightieth. <laughs> if you be, if you base it off pools, but so I think it it allows me to be more of who I am. So when I took trips, 
I took one to Texas A&M. Um, I took one with Mel Nash was there, and I took one to, to go see Ron Balatore at, at um, Balatore at Florida. Um, I actually took one to West Virginia. Um, I took one to Arizona State, which I thought was where I wanted to go from the get-go to swim with Ernie McGlisco. Um, I th- but when I came here, Scott Hammond was not this big-name, well-known coach. Like, it was Ernie McGlisco. It was Ron at Florida. You know, even Mel Nash had a pretty big name. Like, But when I left here, it was the only trip I took where I was like, I was exactly myself. I didn't fake anything. You know, and I was... I think when I actually took my trip, I was 17, maybe I was 16. I, don't, I can't remember exactly when, but um, uh, it was right after I turned 17. It was my senior year right now. They take it as juniors. But I, it was the only place where, like, I, I was myself. And I felt like people were themselves. And so I came here. And so I that echoes with me. Like, when people come to visit here, I don't, you know, like, I, I don't dress up. I don't take them these crazy nice dinners because they're not going to do that. You know, I mean, I want them to see us for who we are and not come here for false reasons, you know, and, and something that's thrown at them for 48 hours. And and we lose recruits because of that, which is fine. Then they're not the right people for NC State, you know. So I think just being here allows me to really be who I am. Like I, I have a hardcore side and I have a very chill, fun, goofy side. And but I'm like that at home, you know. Like I will be very goofy with my kids. I'll also be very stern with my kids, you know. I and so here I'm not any different, and that's I think the beauty of being here. I'm I probably came in more comfortable than if I went somewhere else because of of that, you know. Awesome, awesome. So um, in respect to your time, and I can't believe we've been rolling here for almost a half hour because I want to keep you to a half hour. Um, for our non-swimming listeners, um, what would you say if someone has a big goal that's kind of out there, kind of challenging them, um, what advice would you give them? Uh, I would say I think everyone in a way is similar no matter what they do. I don't think they can explain it, but like in every person there is some sort of deep down desire to be the best right not not necessarily whether it's numbers driven or whatever i think every whether it's being the best dad being the best husband being the best coach or you know banker or whatever engineer i mean i i think everyone deep down inside has the just the desire to be number one and i think that's what drives people to always think about what's next you know okay um you know someone has a job and and maybe they're in a job for 20 years and i think i would challenge them to take a step back and think about what that desire makes them think about you know you know like when i swam a lot you know a while back i i didn't really i i just had i wanted to beat everyone bad like, I didn't want to, like, you know, if I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, right, and cheer for a team, I want them to slaughter the other team. I don't want to win by a field goal. 
I was that way. I didn't just want to win the hundred back. I wanted to demolish it. I wanted to make it. I wanted to be embedded in their brains for the you know forever. You know, and that was me. And 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 so I think everyone. My advice would be to to take to take a step back and and know that okay, why are you doing it? And your window of doing it. How do you view that window? Right. I I look at me and, and coaching, and it's like. Right now, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm motivated, um, and I'm not satisfied. But I know there are going to be bumps on the road, right? I mean, that's going to happen. I'm going to think about the great things, but I'm also going to say, okay, what, what's something that I, that I've thought about that I haven't done, and why did I think about it? Why did it enter my brain? And I, I would challenge them to. Some of them are probably thinking about one thing more than once. That is something that they haven't done. And what would they need to do to do that? Because at the end of the day, your your life is so long, and that's it. Like I know my my window of coaching at, at this with this much passion, it has a window, right? I don't want to coach till I'm seventy. I I, I just don't. Like I I want to. I'm gonna probably want to do something else. Um, I'm gonna want to be active with wherever my grandkids are, you know, and you know, and and I I'm, I'm gonna want to be there for when my kids are going after that desire, you know. My parents, bless their hearts, they they came, they come to ACCs every year still, you know, and and you met them, yeah. I mean, they get riled up and fiery. Sometimes I look at them and it's more than when I swam, (laughs) you know, and it makes me feel good because now they're not just cheering more for one kid, like they're cheering for like all thirty of them, you know, or eighteen of them at that that meet. So, I would just challenge people to, you know, just take a step back and what's the what's the one thing that they keep coming back to that just makes them. Like, what do they dream about? You know, and because, you know, you don't want to waste your time working for something that's not going to make you happy, you know, and and that's like, for me, that's why I know at some point I, I'm going to need to take a step back and, and not coach anymore. And at some point I'm going to say, hey, this program needs to be led by someone else because I I can't put what I used to do in it, you know, and and I don't know when that time is, but at some point it'll hit, you know, probably in a while hopefully but you know it, it I, I'm going to go through that and I think everyone probably goes through that especially, especially if they're an ex-swimmer mm-hmm. they're like I don't know what I'm doing I've been out for 10 years I, I want to lose 20 pounds I want to do this I want to do that um, and at, at one point they had that competitive mojo right that yes. when they walked on deck if they had that swag walk they, they knew they were invincible and I think I swear everyone has a concept of swag Right, I'll pick on Coleman Stewart. I can tell you if he's going to have a good practice or not by the way he walks on the pool deck. Wow! Yeah. And I, I I'm, I'm gonna. If he was in here, I'd be like, I'm batting a thousand, <laughs> right? You know, I can tell when certain, like Anton Ibsen, um, you know, or or even some of the ladies, probably Elise Han, one of the recent, you know, grads who's graduating. They have a, a level of swag, even in the workforce. You know, you go in like you know when Debbie walks around. It's with purpose, and she's getting stuff done. So, I think they need to find that, and let that divine, you know, kind of dictate their direction of what they really want to go after. <laughs> that that is great, and you you even use the word mojo. Mojo, yeah, yeah. Baby. yeah. So awesome. Well, um, it just last question is: Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want listeners to know about you or NC State or anything? And if not, we'll just cut it there. Uh, um, I mean, obviously, NC State's not a, a big brand type school, 
You know, we, we're not all over the news. You know, I don't think our school promotes the academics as much. I mean, we're a pretty good academic school. But, yeah, we got the Chancellor's Cup trophy right in front of us, which is the top GPA at, at school to our men's team. Um, I, I think people, the more they watch our swim team and dive team, the more I, I think we get exposure of, of showing the community or the swimming community that is that our goal here is to not just swim fast and dive well. I mean, it, it's like I, a parent asked me the other day, this was actually a lot longer than the other day. It was more like three months ago, four months ago. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> um, but now I bring it up because it's been asked more than once. It's like, how do you define yourself as a coach? And I was like, at first, I'm like, whoa, I, I don't know. Like, um, the only thing I keep coming back to is if I get invited to their wedding. Wow. If I get invited to a wedding of a former athlete, then I know I had a serious impact on their life. Like And so I think that's what I want people to get from NC State is, okay, you're going to swim fast. You're going to get some medals. You're going to do whatever, you know, and, and you may be at this level and you're getting a Hall of Fame or all this. But in the, the day, I want people to be really proud of their experience here of becoming the person that either the person that they want to be or the person that's better than they want to be. You know, that's what I kind of want for people to learn about NC State. That's that's why this place is homey. You know, that's why we we don't need a budget that's, you know, $1.5 million. We don't need, you know, this Taj Mahal pool or whatever. I mean, this is my office, and it's about as dirty as you can get. You know, as messy at least. You know, <laughs> I, trophies, it's though. a lot of trophies, which yeah. is cool, a but a lot of cool pictures. You know, a lot of moments where you look back, and I'm looking at this one picture right behind me, and that's Miffy Henley. And she's jumping up and down, and that was one of the best moments. That's her on the um, on the far right. She hated they hated those suits, by the way, because they, they were like kind of see through in yeah. some areas. But that's her all the way to the right. And those moments where she for for two years she was frustrated, and now all of a sudden she had that moment, and I was like, you know, that's that's what NC State's all about. It's probably that. I mean, I don't. Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending the time yeah. with us today, and uh, really, really appreciate all that you're doing for NC State for the swimming community and making the alum alum proud. And I know we got a lot out of it, whether you're a swimmer or a listener. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate y'all being here. Good to have you back. Thanks for coming to watch at NCAs, and appreciate y'all doing podcasts and just helping our sport. So, Maria, what are your thoughts? Well, the guy is amazing. <laughs> I uh, I had listened to the interview twice. There was there was quite a bit in there, and I was trying to sort of untie the threads of Braden Holloway. He's um, incredibly ambitious, but I think the thing that I was most sort of instructed by is his his emphasis on relationships. It was you know he wants to relate to all those swimmers. You know, he's got 60 swimmers. He wants to relate to each of them. He cares about them. And he knows that if he cares for them and uh, has a relationship with them, they will trust him. And he talked a lot about that, not just about the relationship with the swimmers, but the relationship with his staff and particularly his family. I was quite moved by his, his decision to not let recruiting interfere with you know who he wanted to be as a husband and a, and a father so that was the first thing is like relationships 
And I do have something else, but Kelly's got some another idea. Go ahead. No, no. I wanted to say, I wanted to ask you to tell, uh, talk to me about that phone call that he got that you said was so... Oh, yeah. Uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So the... Um, he, I was particularly impressed with the story he told about about the phone call I got, which was that some of his swimmers had been in a car wreck, and so, uh, you know, he obviously cared so much, was you know so concerned that he was willing to leave his uh, Easter holiday to be with his swimmers, and um, yeah, clearly the guy loves all sixty of his swimmers, and if you got to figure that there's new people coming in every year, I mean that's a lot of relationships to manage. Really, I was very moved by that. And Maria, why don't we just go back and forth? And I know you have a okay. couple more takeaways. Yeah, I'll just do one, more, one more little point. But I, but I, oh. I, I, I know you have some ideas, and I want to hear them. Um, so, with in regards to relationships, um, I definitely agree with that. That being a people person is one of his skills. Um, and yeah. then my other reason we titled this show "Winning Authentically" was because I, I just find, and you know, I've known Braden. Since he took over, you know, I met him as an alum and have watched the team grow over the last eight years under his leadership, that he um, he's just so authentic. And the two places where in the interview he says, one, he could have gone and swum for some really top names um, when he was recruited as an That's athlete. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But he chose NC State because he felt he was most authentic there. Hmm. And then he said... You know, and and everybody knows. You know, I was a Division One uh, head coach, and we would put on put on the finest uh, clothes and the finest meals. And really, when the recruits came to town, that's what most colleges do. They really roll out the red carpet, and but they don't do that there. They don't do that at NC State. They're just very, you know, down to down to earth. And um, and so he said that he recruits people that are super authentic. And so I thought that. There are other things, but I want to go back to your point. But that was one of my takeaways was just that being authentic, I think, in life is one of the keys to people being success. So, again, in trying to frame this as how listeners can take away from swimming and champions is just being yourself really goes a long way. Yeah, I I, I love that. And, uh, you know, authentic is kind of a it's a word people use a lot. But, you know, I think. It means being honest. And, you know, I loved his other little story about being afraid to come to NC State because he didn't want to fail. That was a beautiful, authentic sort of moment to share that with you that you know, his wife had to say, come on, let's go. You're doing it. <laughs> so I agree. Authenticity, just authenticity with others and with yourself uh, is, is, is a hugely important thing in building relationships. So maybe that's why he has great relationships. Is that was that your point? No, was my other point was. <laughs> no, I love that one too. I, I, I didn't. I I'm just didn't coming to... up with all kinds of points. <laughs> no, I know there was a lot there, like you said, to unravel, unravel yeah. it. Um, but yeah, yeah the, the, that is. A, um, I had a friend listen to the podcast as well. It wasn't my husband, but it was a friend that I sent it to that you know d- did not know Braden is not a swimmer, and he said that was his favorite part of the interview. He said I yeah. loved where he was vulnerable. I think right. vulnerable. vulnerability I guess that's and, a good word, you know, yeah. it was vulnerable. So, yeah. yeah. So that was great. So my other little point, I think this is really good for um, for particularly women, but I guess anybody that he he had a 
big emphasis on competitiveness. He recognized himself as a as a a, a, a strong competitor. He wanted to win. He didn't want to. He doesn't just want to win. He wants to crush the <laughs> the competition. Yeah, yeah, was, and I, I found that. myself a little bit taken aback by that. But I think that's partly just socialization. There is. Winning is good. And I think what one of the things he does that makes him successful is he trains his swimmers to be competitors, to want to win. And I would say for our listeners, takeaway, it's okay to be competitive. It's okay to want to win. And you can train that up in yourself and be honest and authentic about wanting to win. That was my second point. I love it, Maria. And that brings me to a little personal story that you and I share. And as we're talking about our decades of friendship and sisterhood, do you remember that you called me up at one point when, and I'm not even going to say which child it was, and you said, this child of mine does not have a competitive bone in their body. How do I make them competitive? I want them to be competitive. So did you figure that out? And what advice can we give to people if they want to be more competitive? I think maybe the word is is um, it puts people off. Um, yeah, I, 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 I. That's that's a great question, Kelly. I think making it okay. I think what what did Coach said? He said, you know, look inside yourself. You know, and I think what he was saying is be honest with yourself. What is it that you want to be good at? Whatever it is, um, and so I guess maybe helping your children and or yourself identify what it is that you really do care about and want to be good at. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, um, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's just thinking about that thing that you could be the best at, and then just striving for it. I think that makes one more competitive. And I know I'm super competitive. You know, without a doubt. So the last point that I felt was really powerful that goes with the people person is that he said that he knew he had succeeded as a coach if he got invited to the kids' wedding. So it's just just another reiteration of his connection to his his swimmers. And then the quote that we pulled out to put at the beginning of the podcast was, he knows that when he dies, it will not say on his tombstone, or he hopes that it won't say on his tombstone, here lies a great swim coach. He wants it to say, you know, here lies a great father and son and um, friend, husband mentor. and friend and mentor and, you know, all those things. So not um, focused on the swimming, but on the connection to other people. So that is our takeaway. Those are our takeaways and then we're going to do our normal um, quote of the week regarding being authentic which will come next but before we do that we want to give us um, we want to talk about one action item which we can have our listeners do to help either just something that we've talked about that was a takeaway whether that's being more authentic or connecting to people or being more competitive, Maria, what would you say the one action item someone could do to listen that, that's listening? I'd say one thing you can do is reach out to somebody that you are interacting with from a business or personal perspective that maybe you don't have a great relationship with and, and work on that that relationship. One of the one of the coach's ideas was to think outside the box and that would help the person trust you. I thought that was good. So so a good action item would be to reach out to someone and 
and see if you can think outside the box in terms of growing that relationship. I like that. I like that. And my action item would be that I just believe that all of us could be more authentic and confident and, um, oh, we talked about this offline, how much we love the swagger, you know, the swag, you know, being confident. And I think that ties into being authentic. If you're comfortable with who you are, you're authentic, you're going to be more confident if you're comfortable with who you are. So my action item would just be, what is that one thing that you're doing that's not authentic, that makes you feel like you're really just doing this because somebody else wants you to or because you think it's the, the way to go. Um, but but find that something that's really authentic and just be yourself. The quote of the week is from Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. So, Maria, that is going to wrap up our show on winning authentically. And uh, anything else? That's all. That was a, it was a great, great listen. Thanks to Coach. Yes. All right. Well, we hope that you will come back and join us. Thanks for being with us. Bye. We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today, and we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Signing off for myself and my champion co-host, Maria Parker, we hope you'll join us again soon, and we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening, and please see below for a copy of the show notes for any links or important information that we've referenced here. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, visit championsmojo.com to learn more.